Well, welcome, uh, Journey Church. It is so great to be with you. I have had a longtime friendship with Pastor Scott and Raquel and their family and have worked with a number of people on your team, but this is the first time I've ever had the opportunity to share in a Sunday morning worship service, and so I'm really grateful to be able to share with you this morning. I do wish my wife Connie could have been here. She really is the fun one of the two of us. Uh, We affectionately say in our family that she's never had a private thought in her life. And so um, she's the most unpretentious person, but my friend, uh, best friend and partner in ministry, we just celebrated 43 years of marriage. We got got married when we were nine, uh, so... But we have two grown kids, and the best thing about my grown kids is that they produce grandkids. And if you have grandchildren, you know the joy of that. It really is true what they say, that grandparenting is God's reward for you not killing your kids. And so some of you have that to look forward to uh, later on. Well, I want to go ahead and dive into the message this morning, and uh, I want to talk to you about the power of a word. Your voice is a strange and funny thing. In simple terms, uh, there's a process that creates your voice, and it's really your larynx working in concert with the vocal folds inside of your throat, and then as those produce sounds, and as those sounds come out of you, Your lips, your mouth, your vellum, your teeth, your tongue, all of those modify those sounds and out come what we commonly call words. Now, that's sort of in very simple terms, the mechanics of your voice. But in no way does that even begin to um, articulate what really happens when you and I speak a word. In fact, there's an old axiom that says, words create worlds. That age-old axiom poignantly and concisely reveals for us the power of the words that you and I speak. You see, you have been given a voice of blessing so that you could use the blessing of voice in the lives of other people. But let's be honest, it's tough out there in 2021, right? We don't live in a grace-filled world. Would you agree with that? Right? Words of blessing do not easily roll off of people's lips these days. In this world, it's scratch and claw and grab and fight and take what is yours and don't cut in line and no free lunch and an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And it's a a mean and angry spirit out there. And that's just in the church parking lot. So no telling what it's like out there in the rest of the world, right? Now, some of you old geezers in the room, you remember watching a show years ago called Cheers. How many of you remember Norm in Cheers? Yeah. Well, well, I love this saying that Norm used to say, it's a dog-eat-dog world, and I'm wearing milk-bone underwear. And some of you know the truth of that. Solomon said it poignantly when he said in Proverbs that there is life and death in the power of the tongue. Your voice, your words have the power of life and death. Every single person in the room, those of you watching at home, other campuses, you have felt the power of somebody's voice way beyond simply hearing and even understanding their words. 
their words have found a way into your spirit and they have taken root and those words have had impact in your life. And we've all experienced both the life-giving words that people have spoken to us and over us and the soul-crushing words that have robbed us of life. And when we're careless with our words, we can tear down people, induce shame, create panic, spread mistrust, um, plant doubt, destroy a reputation, wound a heart, and spread hate. And yet with the very same voice, you have the ability to inspire hope, to demonstrate love, to boost people's confidence, to express belief in someone, to communicate value, to provide comfort, to change perspective, and quite literally to breathe life into them. And I want you to never forget that your words have staying power in people's lives. So be careful with what you say. Because once they are spoken, your words can only be forgiven. They can never be forgotten. The words spoken to us in our past continue to reverberate into our present. And many of you could tell stories about that. uh, As part of what I do in ministry, I have a, a... ministry where we do life plans for people. And I remember sitting with a guy in Canada who at the time was maybe in his late 50s, maybe approaching 60. His name was Lucas. And as part of the life plan, we go back and we kind of go through their life story and we begin to identify significant turning points in their life. And so I said, Lucas, can you remember sort of when was the first turning point for you? He said, oh yeah, absolutely. Very easy. It was when I was five years old. I said, really? He said, yep. I was a Saturday morning. He said, it was around 10 in the morning. I was sitting in the kitchen on a stool. My mom was cutting my hair. And he said, my dad walked down the hall, grabbed his motorcycle jacket, his keys, and picked up his helmet. And my mom said in a frustrated voice, where are you going? And he said, I'm going out for a ride with some friends. We're going to stop off and have lunch and a beer together. I'll be back after a while. And Lucas said, my mom said in that moment, great for you, I'm stuck here with Lucas. And Lucas said with tears in his eyes, my whole life I have fought the feeling that I'm always in the way. Your words have power. And I don't care how tough you are, what your personality is like, every single one of us are more fragile and impressionable than we want to admit You remember that old saying when we learned when we were kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. What idiot said that? (laughs) Because that's not been my experience, nor the experience that anybody else I've known. It's mind-boggling when you wrap your mind around the fact that this little vocal box inside of you with your lips and with a tongue, an organ that weighs only 2.3 ounces, the kind of devastation that you can wreak just with that little instrument. You know, it's not lost on me as you look at the life of Jesus and you study the Gospels, the very last thing that we find Jesus doing while he's on the planet. This moment takes place just before he ascends back to heaven. And in these final moments, the Bible says that Jesus is with his friends and I want you to imagine this morning for a moment that you had been on the Messiah Advisory Council. And this is the last speech that Jesus is going to make on planet Earth. What would you encourage him to talk about? Some of you would say, you know what? I think he needs to lay out a three-year strategic plan for the disciples in the expansion of the kingdom. 
Some of you know there have been a lot of infighting among the disciples and positioning and posturing. And maybe you go, you know what? Jesus needs to hand out and uh, print off a, an org chart so that everybody would understand clearly the lines of authority. Or maybe some of you go, you know, I know the church is about to launch. Maybe what Jesus should do is hand out the bylaws of how the church should function. Now, none of those are bad ideas, but it's not at all what Jesus finds himself doing. In fact, in Luke 24, 51, here's what it says. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. The very last words Jesus speaks on the planet are words of encouragement and blessing. And what a contrast to the world in which we're living, where it seems like everywhere you turn, the order of the day is people are launching verbal grenades and blowing other people up. But what an opportunity for us in the church, right? What an opportunity for us to, to use our voices to speak words of blessing into people's lives. And here's what I want you to remember. Every single day you walk around and you carry with you two invisible buckets. And in one bucket there is water and in another bucket there is gasoline. And you've got to be wise enough to know which bucket to use in which conversation. Because when there's anger and hatred and gossip and the fires of contention are raging, that's when you want to put water on the fire. But not all fires need to be put out. Sometimes fires need to be fanned. And you pour gasoline on the fires of belief and encouragement and value and love. You see, to live the life you want to live, you've got to help other people live the life they long to live. And one of the ways that you do that is through words of blessing. And here's the great news. Anybody, anybody in the room... Anybody at home, you can be great at this. Doesn't take a certain skill set. Doesn't take a certain level of education. It doesn't cost you a dime. But the ROI on this minimal investment can be amazing. Mother Teresa once said, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. And you never know. When you speak a word of blessing into somebody's life, the kind of impact that it's going to have. Because here's what's true for every single one of us. Sometimes we need others to see in us what we can't see and believe about ourselves. So I want to take just a few moments and I want to talk through this in the life of somebody in the Old Testament. His name is Joshua. A lot of you are familiar with him. And as we see Joshua begin to emerge onto the scene as the leader of Israel, there's this transition that takes place from Moses to Joshua. And here's what is said in Joshua, or in, sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 1. Moses is speaking, and he's talking to the nation of Israel, and he says, The Lord was also angry with me because of you. And so he said to me, Moses, not even you will enter the promised land. Instead, your assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, will lead the people into the land. Encourage him, for he will lead Israel as they take possession of it. Now, you talk about a hard job. Joshua was asked to become the successor to Moses. And did you notice, did you hear in those verses how Joshua is referred to in this passage? He's not referred to as a general, he's not referred to as the vice president. 
He's referred to as Moses' assistant. Wow. And now, Josh, we want you to take the job of the supreme leader of the nation of Israel. In fact, we would read about Moses later on in Deuteronomy. There has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was a once-in-a-lifetime kind of leader, once-in-a-generation kind of leader, and he leaves a massive hole when, he's, when he steps away. And as we walk through this season of Joshua's life, you're going to see a word come up over and over. If you read in the early chapters of Joshua, you'll see this word several times in those early chapters, and it is the word courage. Interestingly, going back to Deuteronomy 1, God says to Moses, I want you to encourage Joshua. I want you to speak life and courage and belief and confidence into his life. And so several times we're going to read those words, be strong and courageous. So I want to, I want to talk about three voices in all of our lives that shape us and that have staying power and lasting influence in our lives. So here's number one, timely insight from an individual. So listen to what happens again in the life of Joshua. Deuteronomy 31, Moses calls for Joshua, and as Israel watched, he said to him, here it comes again, be strong and courageous. Okay, pay attention to those words because you're going to hear those words multiple times. And I can definitely relate to Joshua. For 20 years, I was a, a lead pastor, um, and then in 1999, I was asked to join the staff at Saddleback Church with Rick Warren. Now, at that time, I had pastored sort of small and medium-sized churches, and so when I was invited to join the staff and become a pastor at this extremely large church, I was both ecstatic and terrified all at the same time. And I remember having thoughts in those early days, sitting in meetings, being in my office, in a conversation, and I would have thoughts run through my head, things like this. I am so far in over my head. What if they find out I'm not who they think I am? What if I can't do this job? What, what if they decide after three months that I, I'm just a poser and that I don't really belong here? That's how I felt on the inside. But my boss, a, a guy named Doug, who was the executive pastor at the time, believed in me. And when I didn't have faith in myself, I borrowed some of his faith in me. And he spoke confidence and life and blessing into my life. And he didn't just believe in me, but he encouraged me. And sometimes in the course of life, someone will speak that word of blessing that will literally become a defining moment in your journey. And I think that's what's happening in Deuteronomy 31. I can only imagine how many times in the coming months and years that Joshua would go back to those words that, that came out of, of Moses where he said, you're God's man. Be strong and courageous. God has selected you. I believe in you. I know that you can do this. And I remember... In an unexpected moment, I had someone speak a word of blessing to me that became a defining moment. And it's a way longer story than we have time for this morning. But after seven years of being at Saddleback and eventually becoming the executive pastor and one of the teaching pastors of the church, 
through a very painful season, I made the decision to step down from my role as executive pastor. It was by far one of the hardest journeys and decisions that I've ever made in my life because in many ways, this had been sort of my dream job and I could have seen myself just riding out the rest of my ministry career there in that role. But let's just say I wasn't in a good place and finally felt like I had to make the decision to step down and I didn't have any other job to go to, no other church, no other place. A very painful season. But on my final day there at the office, my executive assistant pulled together just a spontaneous kind of impromptu little gathering up in the executive area during lunchtime. She just kind of put out a call for people in the, who happened to be around to just come up and have a final moment to say goodbye. And people gathered in a circle. I can still kind of picture it in my mind. And um, we were all kind of in that executive area. And People were just going around saying various nice little things. And then my friend Stevie K, I remember he was over to the left. And he said, you know, when I think about Lance, I think of someone who is a pastor to pastors. And it didn't really, you know, in that moment didn't really connect with me all that much. I just kind of received that as I had other things that people were saying. And then A couple of months later, through a very clear call from God, I would begin this ministry that I now lead called Replenish. And for the last 15 years, I've been giving myself to really being a pastor to pastors. And you see what Stevie K spoke that day, unbeknownst to him, took root in my spirit and was an insight about me I didn't even have about myself that God would use to actually change the trajectory of my life. And sometimes you will receive that word of blessing from someone and it becomes a defining moment from you. But listen, sometimes you're the person who is to give the word of blessing that will become a timely insight for somebody else. So sometimes it's the individual who speaks to us, but sometimes the confirmation comes from the crowd. Sometimes it's an individual, but sometimes it's the crowd using their voice to speak confirmation and affirmation. So again, I want you to listen to Joshua 1. So the whole congregation is responding now to the fact that Joshua has become their leader. He says, we'll do whatever you command us and we'll go wherever you go or wherever you send us. We'll obey just as we obeyed Moses. And the Lord your God will be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your orders and doesn't obey your words and everything you command will be put to death. And then catch the phrase, here it comes. So be strong and courageous. Here's the crowd now speaking into Joshua's life. Be strong and courageous. And there will be times when God speaks through not just a person, but speaks through your family, speaks through your team at work, through a group of close friends, maybe through your small group. I remember one time when that happened for us. We were, when I was in California, we were leading a small group of people who either had just become believers or were fairly new believers. I remember going to them one day and said, hey, we've been asked to consider doing a a mission trip where we would just go on our own, unaccompanied by anybody from the missions team, and we're trying to experiment with whether or not small groups can really handle taking on missions on their own. And I said, would you guys be willing to be one of the the guinea pig groups. And they unanimously said, absolutely not. We don't know what we're doing. 
we're new to the faith. And I said, well, would you at least pray about it? And they reluctantly said yes. And so I remember we came back a few weeks later and I, I said, so, hey, how are you guys feeling as you pray about going? This guy said, well, I, I think I have maybe a compromise. What if we did a mission trip to Tahiti? And I said, no, come on. And so we began to talk and one of the ladies in our group had a heart for the issue of AIDS in Africa. And so we began to pray and I had had the opportunity to meet the Malawian ambassador to Japan when I had been in Tokyo. And I said, I, I have his contact information. I'll reach out, see if maybe we could contact them and then we could get to go. And so make a long story short, we got invited. So here's our entire small group headed for, for this little country called Malawi. Back then, according to the CIA, was the poorest country on the planet. And one of the guys in my group called me up one day and said, hey, I've got an idea. So we sat down and had lunch together, and he said, um, he's a pretty well-to-do lawyer. He said, I'm going to stay at home. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to make enough money to pay for everybody in the group to make the trip to Africa. But I knew he was afraid. And so I said, Rick, before you do that, let, let's, let's bring this to the group. And we sat down with the group. The group said, Rick, we're not going without you. Like way more important than you funding the trip is you actually going on the trip. And God used the group to speak a word into Rick's life. And Rick reluctantly went and he got his world turned totally upside down. His world was transformed. He's been back multiple times and actually became the chairman of the board of a ministry that works in Africa because the group spoke into his life. So sometimes it'll be an individual. Sometimes it'll be a group. But let me just warn you, sometimes the prompting will come from God himself. Sometimes God just shows up and it's not about anybody else. It's just you and him. In fact, Deuteronomy 31, verse 23. This is Joshua again. It says, the Lord commissioned Joshua, son of Nun, with these words, be strong and courageous. For you must bring the people of Israel into the land I swore to give them. I will be with you. And then over in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, it says, this is my command from the Lord. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. All right, so let's have a moment here. When I read those verses, I don't know about you, but the question I ask is, so how did God speak those words to Joshua? I mean, was it an audible voice? The truth is, I don't know. And even as I prepared to share this message, I, I sort of struggled with how I would talk about this because discerning the voice of God isn't easy for us as Christians. I don't know about you, but I've never had God speak to me audibly um, and I haven't known anyone that's actually ha heard an audible voice from God. And sometimes the truth is, I'm not sure whether my internal promptings are just my own thoughts or are they actually from the Lord? So there's, to me, it's not black and white. It's not easy, but here's what I know, all right? There have been just a handful of times in my life 
where I know that I know that I know God spoke to me. After I left Saddleback, I was 46 years old. I was confused. I was lost. I didn't know what I was going to do, you know, with my life. And I'm thinking like, here I am, 46. I don't even know what my next job is going to be. And I was on the way to Singapore to speak at a conference. And it was the middle of the night and everybody on the plane was asleep. And I was just wrestling with God, wrestling in my soul, just confused. And one of those sort of Hail Mary desperate prayers, I just say to God, God, what do you want me to do in this season of my life? I'm just so lost. Now, I've prayed prayers like that before. And the truth is, I don't usually expect an immediate response. But in that moment, as quick and clear, I can't tell you exactly how, but in that moment, God just showed up and so clearly said to me, I want you to help leaders be healthy, holy, and humble. And I remember at the time just thinking, I'm not sure all that that means, but I could give my life to that. And that began this ministry that I now do called Replenish. And so my encouragement to you is learn how to be quiet and slow down and seek God and ask him to speak to you. Pay attention to those internal promptings because I believe that many times those are indeed God's direction in your life. All right, so before we wrap up, I want to show you one more moment when these words are spoken in Joshua. All right, we won't uh, look at it very long, but um, Joshua chapter 10. Joshua is now clearly the leader. He's leading Israel through the promised land. They're defeating their enemies. And one day, Israel's ally, the Gibeonites, are about to be attacked by the Amorite armies. And actually, it's it's a collection of five armies of five different kings. And they're about to do war against the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites send word to Joshua and say, hey, we're your allies. We need your help. So Joshua assembles his army and they ride all through the night and they surprise the Amorites and they take them by surprise and ambush them and they completely wipe them out. Well, the five kings, seeing that their five armies are being decimated, they run and hide in a cave and Joshua gets word that the five kings are hiding in a cave and Joshua says to his men, cover the entrance of the cave until the battle is done and then we'll deal with them. So now the battle is over and Joshua comes and they open the entrance to the cave and Joshua brings out these five kings and they lay them on the ground and Joshua gives this little speech to his generals and I want you to listen to what he says in verse 25. As he tells his generals to put a foot on the neck of one of these kings, he says, don't ever be afraid or discouraged be strong and courageous. Those words sound familiar? Here's what I want you to get. The words of blessing that had been spoken over Joshua 
have now taken root in his life and they are bearing fruit. And he is now walking out the words that have been spoken over him in that place of fear. So here, I want you, don't miss this. The very thing that can be your mess can become your message. The very thing that was your place of weakness and the thing where you needed God to show up the most can now become the message of your victory and the message of your transformation. You see, Joshua had been changed. His fear and his inadequacy and self-doubt have turned into strength and courage. And now he's able to speak that into the lives of other people. The words of blessing that had been spoken over him now flow out of him. And that can be true for us. So when I left Saddleback, I began this journey of emotional health and soul care and learning how to have a healthy rhythm of life. And the result over these last 15 years is that God has changed me. And the very thing that had been the mess of my life has now become the message of my life. So can I ask you this morning, how are you doing with this one? If we could go back over the last 30 days and sort of look at the words that you tend to speak, if we could follow you around for the last week, how often would we hear words of encouragement, words of blessing being spoken into people's lives? How are you doing at speaking blessing to those that you work with? To your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, the, the people on your team, a complete stranger, the person driving down the freeway next to you. Can I just challenge you to make, make it a practice this week to make consistent, intentional deposits of words of blessing in people's life. Be sensitive to those subtle promptings that come from the Spirit. Slow down and hear them and pay attention. Listen for the whispers that come from the Spirit of God. And as God leads you, as He nudges you, speak a generous word into people's lives. It's never been more needed than it is right now. In this day, in October of 2021, the world so desperately needs to know that there is a word from God and it is a word of hope and blessing. And who knows, it, who knows, as you take the risk to just be obedient, to just share what, what you see, what you notice, what you observe, just like my friend Stevie K, you might say something into somebody's life that becomes a defining moment for them, that it, it changes the trajectory of their entire life. It's the power of a word, and God has given it to you. Let's pray together as we wrap up. Father, I thank you that you've given us this strange thing called voice. It is a sacred responsibility and stewardship to, to manage it well because we know how easily we can slice and poison and 
destroy people with our words, but Lord, we also know they can carry life and hope and belief. So Lord, I pray that we would go and use our voices as an instrument of blessing this week. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.